Hi, this is Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast, the podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today, we're talking to Tom Hall about No Place Left, Kansas City. I had known this guy named Troy Cooper from Indianapolis, and uh, we were friends and we were both associate pastors on staff at local churches. Um, and I just reached out to him about an annual event that we had, we always we were doing together. And uh, he, he said, hey, let's get together. I just got back uh, from a mission trip in Southeast Asia. Uh, let's, sit, let's sit down for coffee and talk about things. And so uh, I sat down and little did I know what, what Troy had just experienced. Um, but at, at that point, he was uh, looking back at it now. He, he had just looking for anybody he could train. And this idea of, of multiplication and movements because he had been exposed to that. So I was kind of left in the wake of, of Troy Cooper and just my world was rocked, was turned upside down. Um, I, I came to realize at that point in time that I was really good at discipleship. I shouldn't, maybe not really good, but I was uh, adequate in discipleship. So I could, if, a, if the life of a disciple were to go from zero to 10, I could take somebody from one to nine. Uh, new believer. I could train them how to read the, the Bible, how to pray. I could walk with them, uh, learn to, to grow in their walk with Christ. But I did not know how to make a new disciple. And I did not know how to make have disciples reproduce other disciples. And so um, as he was talking to me, he really just opened up the Great Commission and was asking me questions, diagnostic questions about the Great Commission in my own life and how I was doing with it. And um, all my background growing up uh, from involvement with the navigators just said, I should be doing this, and I'm not. Uh, and we had, we were, I was an associate pastor of youth and had all these youth at my disposal, but I, I wasn't really making disciples uh, because they weren't making, they weren't making disciples. And so um, I just began to meet with Troy regularly, get, get coaching from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, shortly thereafter, he left for Japan and, and left me uh, on an island. You know, I, I had just gotten all this, this whirlwind and, and my paradigm hadn't completely shifted yet. And I'm here in a, a legacy and established church trying to do my best uh, and just struggling through it, quite honestly, uh, trying to, to influence the discipleship process, trying to influence the, the youth. Um, and, and then we just went through a really difficult time, both personally and uh, as a church body, through uh, through our senior pastor moral failure and and uh, just a, just a big mess. Uh, my wife and I went through uh, just a really faith testing time, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, my mentor was on the other side of the world, and I had no idea how to access him, and uh, and so I remember. Just feeling, uh, just just being steadied by God in my own faith, and uh, given the grace to persevere through some really difficult times with our church, and and really for me it was like, when do I, when can I get out of this? When I want to make disciples, I don't want to deal with the, this ugliness uh, that we're experiencing here. Um, how can we get out? And was was thinking through church planting, thinking through. Uh, I really wasn't thinking in terms of, of multiplication leading to church planting um, until Troy returned. And I said, like, hey, here's my plan for church planting. He's like, well, why don't, why don't you just do what I told you to do? <laughs> and I said, oh, I guess I could do that. 
I, um, I think that's the secret to success in life, just to do whatever Troy Cooper tells you to do. Uh, yeah, you know, so I reconnected with him and uh, when he was back and, and had him do some training. At this point in time, he 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 repackaged what he was um, training, uh, where before it was just kind of movement principles, where, where now all of a sudden he had a really clear um, clear way of packaging that through four fields. And so we, we started uh, to do that uh, at, our, at our church and uh, began to train students in four fields, began to see some, some slow multiplication happening um, there at the church. And, and eventually God just removed us out of there. It was, it was time to go. Uh, the, the, the mess of, of the, everything had, had kind of subsided. And uh, we moved to Kansas City. And so in some ways running from, from what we'd come from, uh, in other ways just really feeling that this, this was where God was leading us next. Uh, we didn't know to what. We just up and left and, and moved here uh, to find ourselves at a um, small church, 12 people, mm-hmm. um, all of them over the age of 60, and three of them over the age of 90 um, in, a, in a, you know, it was a dying church. And um, that's where movement really became real for me. Everything I had learned from Troy, um, I began to have to put that to practice because I no longer had any resources to impact lostness. Before I could depend on, um, you know, students to go with me or we had a budget that uh, we had the, the resources to be able to, to, to put on a picnic or to gather people together. All of a sudden, I had, I had no resources but, but myself and, uh, and, and the gospel. And I said, well, I'm, I need to go. I'm, I'm called to go make disciples. And if these 12 people aren't going to come with me and um, we don't have any resources to do anything with them, I still have to do that. And so uh, I was there about a year. And in that time, I found myself kind of, waging a two war, two front war. One was I was pastoring these people, giving them everything I had on a Sunday morning and shepherding them throughout the week as best as I could. Um, and then there was the neighborhood, this lost and dying neighborhood, um, very far from God. And, and my heart just burdened for those people. Um, and I was energized by that work. The, the pastoring and shepherding just drained me. Uh, at the end of a Sunday, I just wanted to come home and kick the dog and <laughs> take a long nap, right? Um, but the other, but, but being out in the neighborhood, developing these relationships, sharing the gospel with people, discipling people in their homes, that gave me life. Um, and eventually, it's a, it's a really long story. Um, God just took that, that whole thing away and left me with this vision for, how do we reach Kansas City? Uh, well, we just keep doing what we've been doing on a small scale, and we're, we want to we want to see the entire city reached. We want to see uh, the needle moved in Kansas yeah, City. Yeah, you know, we uh, we yeah. spent a lot of time on a house of a house of peace searches. So the neighborhood we were in, it's it's kind of a the bar district of Kansas City. Um, so it's a you know it's a young uh, hipster culture and old hippie culture that that lives there. Um, and we just spent a lot of time engaging people. I remember my wife and I and our kids went out one day after, after preaching on Sunday, we went out to the street right behind the church and we just started knocking on doors, asking if we could pray for people. And, uh, this, this, these two guys, they welcomed us into their home. Uh, they had a daughter together and, uh, 
we just began to have this great conversation with them. And uh, we got to share the gospel with them, we got to share our testimony with them. And they seemed very open and very receptive to that. Um, and we began to just have this dialogue with them and, and conversations about what it would look like to follow follow God, uh, to, to learn what it means to make Jesus the boss of their life. And um, but, but I just remember from that time, their, their main hangup was that their own lifestyle and, and if they were going to have to surrender their lifestyle. And I remember they just got to the point where through this discussion, they just asked us, if, if we were to follow Jesus, does that mean we couldn't, we couldn't get married? Or, uh, and, you know, I said, well, the Bible clearly says that when we come to him, we're, we're transformed and our former desires are nothing like our new desires. And so, so no, I, I, I don't think if you follow Jesus, you would desire to be married. And, uh, at that we were shown the door pretty quickly. Mm. Um, but it was, it was just a, it was an indicator of really the, what, uh, what conversations were like in that neighborhood, but we learned what it was, what it meant to persevere through, um, through a lot of uh, difficult conversations and, and a lot of rejection as well. well. Uh, I had connected with uh, an IMB worker named Jared, who was in Kansas City at the time. And uh, he was forming uh, kind of a small team in Kansas City. It was really spread out um, right at the same time that the, the things were really winding down with, with our, the, the established church. And uh, he just wanted to gather like-minded believers together who had a passion for, for um, multiplication. And he began gathering us together and um, meeting on a bi-weekly basis. And uh, really kind of the expectation was that everybody who was gathering was out sharing the gospel on a weekly basis. Uh, he, he kind of put the expectation that maybe 10 times a week we were sharing um, and we would come together and, and he, he led that for a few times and, and just cast vision for us. And, um, I remember the second meeting, he said, well, I'm, I'm going to be gone the next time. Um, and so, so Tom, why don't you go ahead and, and lead the meeting? Um, I, I had no idea what we were doing. I was just there at Jared's request. Uh, and I said, okay. Uh, and honestly, I think that was one of the last few times I saw Jared was at that second meeting. Uh, he began to travel and he just kind of left this, this responsibility, uh, that he had casted vision for, for seeing Kansas city reach with the gospel. And, um, I, I just, I guess I, I, out of necessity, just kind of grasped and grabbed a hold of it and said, all right, we're going to run with this and we're going to champion this vision, um, in Kansas city with, with that small group, uh, that was meeting on a regular basis. So that propelled us forward, um, and into a time of, of the, a lot of failure and a lot of uh, bumps in, in terms of training and trying to catalyze other workers and inviting people into the work, um, as well as being out regularly doing the work. And so um, it, it just continued to, to kind of roll from there. Uh, we had some great guys in those early days. All, all of that team has, has since left Kansas City, um, not left the work, but they've, they've all been um, taken out of, the, out of this place. And so I guess the next big push was, was when those guys all left, um, particularly a guy named Adam and a guy named Omar. Uh, the three of us were kind of a core uh, team in pursuing things, and they left at the same time at the beginning of 2017. Um, they moved out, 
And, and at that point, uh, I felt all alone in Kansas City. Here's 2.2 million people. Uh, 1.76 million of them are far from God. And I felt that all of a sudden I'm, I'm all alone. Uh, Jared had left. These guys had left. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had attempted to train a lot of people, um, but hadn't seen much success in that training. And, uh, and at that point, just through, through Luke 10, two prayers, I think, um, just consistently praying and fasting and asking, uh, you know, asking the father to, to send forth laborers. We began to find some new, new faces, some fre- fresh faces, um, and, and began to invest our lives. And then just, just really persevering in, Hey, let's model what it looks like to get out and harvest. Let's go, let's do this together. And, um, and from that, you know, uh, I live in Kansas, but Missouri is called the show me state. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a lot of that attitude um, of, hey, show me this works. And so uh, that we just des- decided this is what we're going to do. So for those that, that committed, uh, I put together a schedule of harvest time and said, hey, these are when I'm going to be in the harvest. Come join me in that. Um, and, and invited people from the seminary uh, up north and, and different churches uh, and, and from there, God just began to really answer a lot of those prayers. I started getting phone calls and um, began to see some cool things happen in the harvest as well. So, How long had it been since you first connected with Troy before they went to Japan till this period? How, how many years had you been on the journey? It had been, it had been four years. I was pursuing to be obedient mm. um, to the call to go make disciples. Yeah. Um, I knew I had to. And I knew that that filled me. That gave me great joy, uh, satisfaction. The spirit is just, just obeying what, what he, what he told me to do. And um, I, I just, as, as I, as I took steps, little steps of um, I don't, you know, there was no, Maybe there were some giant leaps, but but it felt like there were just little steps, and I got further and further out there. And I, I remember probably in the beginning of 2006, so four years in, I, I look to look back and say, "Well, I I cannot go back. Mm. I can't go back to doing things how I was, um, and to to a attractional model, an event based model, um, you know, in terms of not impacting lostness, but you know." Before I before I met Troy, my, I was never focused on. I, I thought I, I was focused on the nations, but I wasn't. And I was focused on this small group that God entrusted to me, um, and I was faith, I attempted to be faithful in that, but I was not focused on how do we impact lostness. And so that that four year journey got me to the point where I just determined, well, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Um, I can't go back to what I used to do. I I, I couldn't. I think. So. The, the father's heart kept me going um, in those low moments. Um, you know, when, when I wanted to quit, when I still want to quit, um, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't say this pridefully, but to think, well, if, if we don't pursue this, who will, mm. um, who, who will, who will go after uh, the nations right here? In our own backyard, who will take responsibility for that? Who will share the gospel today? And so, if we don't, as we got to know people from the harvest, as we got to know people who are far from God, um, 
I guess, yeah, just a, a, a love for them to know, to know Jesus, to have an opportunity. We've been afforded this incredible opportunity to not only believe, but even to just hear. Uh, and some, some have never heard. Once we had a, a regular harvest times established, we said, let's just run after this. And we began to experience some, some things from the harvest, uh, people turning, trusting in Christ for the first time out of very difficult circumstances. Um, we, we began to, we went from a, a, we went from a phase of where we were sharing regularly and getting a lot of, um, friendly, warm faces to, we were sharing regularly and getting, yeah, you can follow up to, we were sharing and they were saying, yeah, we want to, we want to follow Jesus. We began, uh, there's a, there's a part of, of Kansas city. It's, it's downtown. It's a lot of immigrants, a lot of refugees are there. And, uh, we, we, we had some partners that, that lived there, some, some established churches that were getting out in the harvest with us. And so, um, there's a particular community we had been in for quite a, a couple of times. And we, we knocked on, on some doors in there and, um, we, we met, uh, I met a young woman who was there who seemed very receptive to the gospel. We were able to share with her. And um, she said, you know, I would be interested in, in looking at the Bible with you. Um, and so well, that's great. We got her phone number. We came back. I think, I think it was the very next day I came back and, um, and she wasn't there. I remember that. Yeah, she was, she was not there. And I had brought a friend with me and I was, you know, really excited because we were gonna, I was going to model this for him. And uh, all of a sudden she's not there. So he's like, well, let's just walk back around the building. We, we had parked on the other side. And so we just started walking and we were praying. And as we came around the corner, I saw on the other side of the building, the, the, the woman we were looking for walked back. So we re- hustled back over there. And we, we yelled her name and said, hey, and she, she recognized us and said, oh, I'm so glad you came and we we uh, we just approached her and we we sat down and prayed for her again. And um, as we sat there, another woman, two other women came out from from the the door that we had knocked on, and they didn't answer <laughs> when we came back. So now we have these three ladies there, um, and and Deborah and Alicia, um, and and we're 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 talking with them, and it was clear that uh, that two of them were were partners and and once again we just began almost the same question i got a two years prior um if i follow jesus do i have to give up this relationship Mm. and we said well yeah you know uh she she knew she had heard the gospel before deborah had and uh, we just we shared the gospel we shared quite a few stories i think we should share the the sinful woman's story with her and uh, she said, I, I want to do this. I want to follow Jesus right now. And uh, she knew what that meant. I mean, she had clearly said that, that she was going to turn from her. She was going to repent of her sin. She was going to turn from that. And not only that, but she wanted to get baptized right then. And so we, we walked her through what baptism meant. Um, we explained that to her. And she went inside to go fill up the tub. And she didn't come back out for about 30 minutes. And... Um, we then got to have this conversation with these two other ladies that were there. And uh, um, she eventually came back out, but she said that she had just been on her bed, just weeping, just mm-hmm. repenting before the Lord and uh, ex- just pouring out her heart to him. 
and we got to baptize her right then. And uh, my friend Samuel did it. Uh, he did the baptism. It was, we're, we're leaving their bathroom. We're walking out. Alicia says, you know what? I, I prayed to follow Jesus today too. I mean, I meant that I want to get baptized as well. And uh, we said, that's fantastic. So uh, Deborah, do you, are you comfortable baptizing your friend Alicia now? And she said, me? What do you, what, yeah, we're like, well, well, yeah, we just showed you how to do it. Why don't you go ahead and, and we'll practice and then you can do that. And we recorded this and I love to, to go back and watch this because I'm, I'm the one holding the camera, but uh, Samuel, who had baptized Deborah, was standing there kind of assisting her now. And uh, Alicia's in the tub and she's, she's, she says, um, she quotes the Great Commission to, to Alicia and says, is that, is that right? She's looking over her shoulder and, uh, you know, it's like, are you going to, you know, Alicia, are you going to follow Jesus with, with, for the rest of your life? Yes, yes, yes. And then she keeps just looking back at Samuel to see like, is this, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? And, um, and then she, she baptized, you know, she baptized her and, uh, it was one of those situations her head didn't get all the way down and Samuel then had to come in and, and assist, right. And fully assist her with that. And it was just one of the, it was a, it was an amazing uh, picture to me and, and uh, to see that this true multiplication, it's messy. It doesn't always go as you think it will in your mind. Um, but the joy that Deborah had in, in, in uh, following Jesus and then to be able to be used by, by, by Christ right there. Um, you know, she's asking questions. She's like, you know, this, we, we're not the only ones that need to hear this, this story guys. There's, uh, I can think back of all my former partners. They all need this story. And and I know them all still. And so she began to put together this list of people that she was going to share the gospel with. So um, it's pretty, it, it, just that moment though was, was uh, one for, for me that just, uh, you know, one of those things that just confirmed, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And, uh, we, and all of a sudden the, the need for more laborers just became so apparent. Um Man, we're, we're we're out here being faithful, and and there's no way we can follow up with all of these people that are expressing a desire uh, to, to to be involved. And um, we met some key people at that point in time uh, from other organizations, from other established churches that that wanted to wanted to join in. Um, came to re- recognize, hey, we we aren't alone. Mm. <laughs> there's other people in the city that are doing what we're doing. Uh, or similar enough that they're they're movement minded, that uh, that we could partner together in this. Um, I think so. the biggest development for us is um, an understanding that though we would like to team up with everybody who's doing what we're doing, um, the end result is of multiplication is a team of teams approach is a is a coalition. Uh, if we want to see true gospel saturation um we have to we have to release we have to give it away and so um i I think that's a difficult instinct to develop because our 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 attitude is always let's gather that critical mass let's gather let's let's celebrate what's happening here um and so we over the past six months we've really shifted that mindset um from gathering the laborers gathering the workers um, in, in a central location to empowering each worker to form their own team and uh, creating enough of a support system 
to encourage these teams that are forming from the harvest that are team that are forming from established churches or different organizations without, um, without killing it, uh, too much structure will just, will just kill it. And so, um, that's something we've wrestled through. Um, I, I, you know, I think our tendency is to over, over, uh, structure things and, and to kill the movement. And so, uh, that, that's where we are now is, is seeing these teams emerge, um, seeing, uh, I have a, a residency group of, of four men all in their sixties and seventies. Uh, they're all retired. Uh, we just, they're the old guys residency, uh, but they're owning the vision, right. And, and they're saying, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna see no place left in our geographical area. And they and, and so, uh, it changes my relationship with them, you know, uh, that now it, it, instead of, uh, convincing them from scripture, man, I just want to empower them to duplicate themselves. And so that's, I feel like that's where we are, um, is within, as a city trying to create uh, momentum from other movements that are happening as well. Um, you know, there's a, a big DMM influence here in, in, in Kansas city and we want to connect and partner with them for encouragement and, um, to, to not neglect what we're doing, but say, man, this, this is bigger than any one of us. Um, and let's celebrate everything that God's doing so we can see the, the, the true scope of the work throughout the city. You know, the, the team is the seed of a church plant. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to plant themselves in a community. They're in a field where the, the church is going to gather around them. They're going to be laboring to do the work to see a church or multiple churches gather in that, that geographical area. The, um, so in coaching those teams, we're saying, okay, you need to, there's, there's things that you have to be doing. We want to keep it local. We don't want to pull you into what we're doing. So you need to gather at church. You need to gather for accountability. You need to have a time of prayer and strategy. Uh, and then you need to be in the harvest regularly. So each team, those are the rhythms that we're um, at really asking them to commit to um, as a team. And so they're not committing to those with us. They're committing to it with their team. So find your team. Who is it? Who are you running with in this? And when are you gathering for church? When are you uh, praying and strategizing? When are you having accountability time? And when are you getting in the heart? Yes. Ray is a, um, he's, he's a, been a deacon in most of his adult life at his, his Baptist church there. And uh, Ray was, was just burdened for lostness. Um, he was out regularly trying to reach refugees. And uh, we, we trained him. We did some four-on-one training with him. And uh, was, he was going out regularly. And he just began to ask the question, well, what about my neighborhood? You know, I, I travel 30 minutes to go out here and share the gospel. Many of these people, I can't speak the same language of, as them. But what about my neighborhood? And uh, so that was about the beginning of this year, 2018. And, and he just said, yeah, well, let's, let's commit. I said, Ray, I'll go with you. Let's, let's find the time and we're going to go out in the harvest together. And, um, so we committed we, to, to out weekly together. And from that, you know, so much happens in the harvest. We're not just engaging the harvest, but we're having conversations where, mm. uh, life is being shared, uh, as we walk door to door and, and spend time out there, we're praying together. Um, and, and, begin to just coach him through how does he train his church? Mm. Um, and sure enough, he begins to invite other guys from his church to come out with him. 
Um, and we spend a lot of hours. So, so right now there's three guys from their church that are coming out regularly, but we spent probably five months looking for a house of peace in, in this neighborhood. Um, we probably weren't going at the best time, but eventually we found a man named Daniel and we rang his doorbells, one of those ring doorbells with a video camera. And uh, Daniel wasn't home. He answered from his phone. Uh, he was out at Chick-fil-A and uh, we offered Ray offered to pray and he said, well, I'm not home. You know, uh, let me, you're, you're really there to pray for me. I'll be home in 10 minutes. Wait there. And so Daniel comes home and the whole time, really, I was just praying uh, the whole four months. I was praying that Ray would find someone to disciple. Mm. That, that's what it would take. That uh, as his paradigm began to shift, he needed, he needed that he, he needed to be shown that this was valid. Um, and so uh, Daniel came to faith Ray just began to invest in him. He had it because we had sat down and gone through the commands together as well. So he knew what to do mm. and he just began to, to do this. And all of a sudden um, from that, Daniel's multiplying. Uh, another guy who lives in that area has connected with Ray and he's training people. And, and, and so they have a church that gathers on Tuesdays at, at the coffee shop. And uh, we, we've seen that that team really just commit saying we're going to see no place left in South KC. We're going to continue to, to labor. Um, and, and really it happened through one-on-one training and modeling. It wasn't the, the, the traditional mm. catalytic route of that in terms of three touch training, uh, event-based training. Uh, but from that, we've seen a, a really strong team emerge um, that that's really committed to, to the work. So it, it all happened through the one man. It happened through Ray. Mm. Uh, and his his, uh, his buy-in and his partnership with other other believers.